to Retro Rovers, a Bristol Rovers podcast. Retro Rovers, because the past is as important as the present. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Retro Rovers podcast today. Um, it's another special one again, because we're going to be discussing the fifth inductee into the Hall of Fame, which is the one and only Mr. Ray Warren. I'm joined tonight by two guys from the pod. So we've got Kev Chubb with us. Kev, how are you? Good evening, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good, good. And we've got Lee Morgan with us. Morgs, how are you? Evening, Ash, all good, buddy. Thank you, all good. All good. So, if we just dive straight in about Ray, um, when you look at the stats, 20-year career at Rovers, 1936 to 1956, obviously that would have been in, interrupted by the war. Um, 450 games, 28 goals, one club man, captain of a title-winning side. Um, Kev, there was no way he couldn't get in, was there? Well, you've just given all the reasons, haven't you? He's, he was Mr. Bristol Rovers for, for a long time, wasn't he? And he, he was captain at the, the most important uh, era in the, the club's history and probably the best team we ever had. Yeah, I reckon so. And more well, you might, might, it might dispute that, mine. Wait your turn, Roger. Wait your turn. Come on. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> right, Roger, know where it is. Um, Morg, is anything to add to that, really? Or yeah, just to echo what Kev said, really. And yeah, when we first went through the list, you know, you, you rattle off the the Bradford, the Bamford, etc. And Ray Warren rightly isn't far behind. One of our most important players, and just to wind Roger up a little bit, perhaps our greatest ever captain. Another one of those local lads played for us forever, and Mr. Bristol Rovers sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think I put out on Twitter the other day from the podcast tweet that it's probably not a name that you would think of straight away, but when you actually sit down and have a look at the the history of the club, you'd be struggling to find many with, you know, the same sort of level of service and stats that Ray's got. So, also joining us tonight, we've got Roger Hood. Roger, how are you? <laughs> Good evening, but sorry. That's all right, Rog. You, you <laughs> I got a bit carried away there, see. So <laughs> uh, that's all right. We've also got a, a new voice of us, Mike Kelly, who uh, started watching the gas in 1945, I believe. How are you, Mike? I'm, I'm well, not brilliant because I'm nursing a fractured shoulder and a fractured hip at the moment. Well, wow. I'm out of hospital and recovering. Well, that's good news that you're recovering, and hopefully, tonight will be a bit of a, a chat that'll cheer you up and make you remember some happier times. Um, my picture's gone. Are you still there, Mike? No, my picture's gone. Uh, that's all right. We, we can still hear you now, so that's okay. And we've also that's got. Fine. Alan Brimson with us, who's the better Brimson is what we're going to call him tonight, because he's the father of our, our normal host, who can't be with us again. So, Alan, how are you? Fine, thank you. Thank Good. you very welcome. No problem. And we've also got a very special guest. Um, we've got Ray Warren's grandson, Daniel Slee, with us. Dan, how are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. I'm going to start with you, really, Dan, because I know you obviously you wouldn't have seen... Ray play that much but what was it like growing up with a granddad that's an absolute legend? Um, yeah obviously I was quite young um, you know he, when he passed away I think I oh, couldn't have been that 13 I think 14 something like that um, so my yeah my early memories really he was he talked about Bristol Ravers all the time um, you know he loved the club um, he uh he, he would just talk about the old days, really. He would talk about um, uh, Pitt, all the players, really. Um, yeah. I think he was proud to be 
the captain of such a such a good side, really. Yeah. And what they achieved, obviously, the war got in the way. Um, I think he went and guessed for a few clubs. Um, I think he put it in one of them. He might have gone to the other side of the town once by accident. We'll forget about um, that. But he, he, he always told me he played for Newcastle as well in the war. No, he did. He did. So, um, no, it Leeds it was. Leeds, that's right. He, he, he told me Leeds and Newcastle. But, yeah. um, no, they I played think... against Newcastle and I think Newcastle beat them 9-0. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair enough. He didn't make it up Dan, no? It was it, Dan, it was in the war years where people just used to float around and guess for whoever, you know, just have, have football out, out there, really. <laughs> yeah. No, he, um, he, he always taught me how to head a ball. I always remember that. He, um, he always was adamant that it wasn't just your head. You had to get up with your, with yeah. your hands as well. And your, and He's obviously quite, a good teacher, Dan. Quite the way through, yeah. 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 <laughs> then you took over, Rog. Yeah, <laughs> he told but, you far um, more than I ever did. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think earliest memories, you know, playing football with him in the garden down at Church Lane, because um, he obviously after the Trident they they moved just down opposite, um, playing football. Um, when I was mascot, the Evening Post came around and I had the picture in the paper, um, which I still got with my pop. To be fair, which um, yeah, ha- happy memories. Um, but yeah, I used to. Medals. I tend to used to be sat there in the chair watching Minder, really, and talking about football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got quite a lot of his medals and stuff like that as well, haven't you? So yeah, I um, unfortunately his oldest daughter passed away earlier this year, um, so they were handed down to me. Um, he's got a got a lot of old photos that you know I'm more than happy to. They're obviously quite precious to me, but. Yeah, I'm more than happy to bring them along to a meeting when we can and show you guys and a lot of old programs. I think the Newcastle programs there and a lot of bits and bobs, really. There was, um, I'm sure Rog or Mike and Alan would tell me there was a cartoonist. Yeah, that's right. Every week in the the paper, yeah, there's there's a lot of those those cartoons like signed by him and. And things like that, really. So um, they've um, they've been locked away safely in my um, safe, really, for a while. So uh, a lot of Gloucester Cup medals, yeah, and obviously the um, the winners medal as well for the league. I've seen that, and it's brilliant. It's, it's absolutely yeah. brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So I'm just going to move on and talk to probably Mike because I think Mike, you started watching in 1945. Is that right? I did. You did so. For what, for the younger generation that are listening, what sort of position was Ray, and what was he like as a player? Well, Ray was centre half. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a very, very talented side that Rovers had, and I wouldn't put Ray highly amongst the talented players, but he was a great, great centre half. Mm-hmm. Nothing went past him. He wasn't a huge man. He was only about five eleven. But he was, he was rock hard and, and he was a great, great captain. The first game I saw, the, the right back was getting skinned. He was 38, the right back. I remember my father telling me he was 38 and he was marking the best player on the pitch. And Ray was constantly over behind him, patting him on the bum and on the back and whispering words in his ears and applauding him when he did anything good. 
And I realized even at the age of eight, I knew I was watching a great captain in Leader of Men. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. So if you were to compare him to sort of a player from today's era, who would the you... I, the player I compare him with on, is, um, is Tony Craig. Tony Craig. Yeah, he, um, he was, he's very similar in stature to uh, Tony Craig. Um, he was, as, as Mike said, he, he wasn't um, a particularly a tall player. He's four, five foot eleven. Um, but he was so commanding uh, as a centre half, and um, he, yeah, the modern era. I would, I could compare him with Tony Craig if we'd only had Tony Craig um, as a younger man. You know, I mean, we saw Tony at the end of his career, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, but he was that type of player. Sorry, Mike, I interrupted. That's okay. I always thought he was my ideal centre-half. I went on into management myself, and I always looked for centre-halves who played like Ray Warren. Yeah. Type markers, didn't make many mistakes, didn't take any chances. I think he's the complete opposite to John Stones, who plays for Manchester City. <laughs> we never saw any of that in Ray. The ball went. And when we were struggling at the end of the games, the crowd were always roaring for Ray to put it over the stands. And he was the only man I ever saw who could put the ball over the old stand at Eastville. He only managed it a couple of times, but he put it over there. He had a kick like a mule. I think he told me that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Into the river Froome behind. The new nonsense centre-half, I think he, he used to call he himself. Tell you that? He did actually do it. And the crowd would shout for him to do it, and he did it. <laughs> it's a bit like... A bit like um... A bit of a rugby player then, right at the end, just get out of the stadium, get it gone. So to the yeah. points, yeah. get the points. Yeah, get the points. They can't, they can't score when he's in the room, can they? No. <laughs> no. no. They never used to add any time on them, see. <laughs> <laughs> so how different? How different was football then for people like? Because now there's a big, big emphasis on playing out from the back for all defenders now, um, and I've seen some photos of the pitch at Eastfield. Well, I think Rovers were ahead of their time because with, with Bamford at fullback, yeah. uh, he used to play it out from the back. Uh, yeah. Ray didn't play it out from the back. And Jeff Fox could play it out from the back. But they had a lot of very talented players in that side. Right. I mean, the, the only two players who I'd say didn't have the frills would, would be Ray and Bill Roost, who were two of the most effective players in the team. But Bill, but Bill Roost was a, was a trier, wasn't he? Ankle tapping, chasing yeah. everything, chasing yeah, goalkeepers. Well, Bill Roos no was a particular favourite of mine uh, because he would give a hundred percent. He chase, he chased the most hopeless ball, you know, and he'd still get there. Uh, he was, uh, he was a character. Roos. Oh, he was certainly that. Yeah, yeah. great character. Mm. Great character, great character. So, so, so there was a... well, I wasn't Ray making many mistakes. No. And I can't Ray putting in many bad tackles. We've, we've had centre-half since then who were hard men and they were a bit nasty with it as well. But um, Ray wasn't. He was just tough, hard. If you, look at the guy, if you look at the guy who stepped into his place after, you know, and then you, you were talking chalk and cheese because it was uh, Paddy Hell. 
Remember him? Yes. Paddy, Paddy Hill marked me when I was playing for Eastville Old Boys. When you say you marked against, you, this is all down the back of the legs, I take it. <laughs> he tried to. Against, well, he was playing for Clevedon then, and I, yeah. I bottled a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I could hear him coming in behind me every time a long ball came, and I thought, oh, God. Yeah. I and mean, he was a man, wasn't he? He was. But Ray, Ray was nothing like him. No, that's what I mean. He talking to you. there. So when when they won the title then in the fifty two fifty three season, I've seen these. Uh, was any of you guys there on that game when they won the title? Yes, yes. No, I, I was there for that one. I, I was there. So I've I, seen. These. I was I was nine years of age. Wow. I, and I, was in, I was in the boys' enclosure. Yeah. There was twenty nine thousand gate that day. Yeah. Against Newport County. Yeah. And uh, I think Jeff Bradford scored a hat trick. It was 3-1, and at the end of the game, we all invaded the pitch, um, and the team came up into the south stand, you know, the stand that burned yeah. down, yeah, and yeah. they all lined up on the front of the stand, and I can always remember uh, Ray Warren t- uh, taking the microphone, and the thing that always stuck in my mind was he said he was proud to bring a better class of football to Bristol, and the crowd erupted. Um, yeah. It was a very memorable day. It's something, as I say, I was only nine years of age at the time, yeah, but yeah. I can still, I can still picture that scene to this day. It was absolutely a, a magical moment. Yeah. The other thing I'd say about the other thing I would say about uh, Ray Warren is uh, he, he was Mister Consistency. He played in every game for four consecutive seasons, 46 to 47, 48 to 49, 49 to 50, and 50 to 51, and in 52 to 53. So out of six years, he played every game on five, of, five seasons. Five seasons. And he only missed, I think, in the uh, 51-52 season, he only missed, uh, I think it was four or five games. So Ray Warren was Mr. Consistency. Um, You know, he was so reliable. Um, You know, he he was just there uh, every game. And he he always played the captain's part. He always took the penalties. On that pitch, guys, on that pitch, that's a remarkable achievement, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he always took he always took the responsibility of, of taking penalties. Yeah, but he was always seen as Bert Tan's lieutenant. Yeah, you know, probably he probably right there. He ran, you know, he ran everything on the pitch. Bert told him what you what he expected, and he went out there and got the performance out of his teammates. Get, you're get, exactly you're exactly right, Rog. Yeah. And yeah. you know, that's what we're lacking today, isn't it? Leadership. <laughs> yeah, leadership. leadership on the on the pitch. Yeah. You haven't yeah. got a Ray yeah. Warren driving yeah. it from the back and very vocal, um, issuing orders in yeah. demanding demanding performance. Right. Yeah. But he, he but he had the respect of his teammates. Yeah, and he, and he could get that from them. Yeah. Talking about penalties as you, as you were then, um, an interesting stat I seen earlier on. Um, I'm not sure if it still stands, but I think it does. Is that he's got the club record along with Jeff Hughes of scoring, right. scoring the yeah. most penalties in a season seven? 
which for a centre half is unbelievable, really. Isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, but don't forget, forget a centre half taking a penalty is not like a centre half scoring from open play, mate. <laughs> you won't put them away, then, Rod, didn't you? Hey, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Away. So put them away. What was that? Sorry, two seconds. What was that, Mike? You said then. Sorry. Scored a few free kicks from just outside the box as well. He's a very good head ball kicker. Yeah. Something else I want to ask you as well, Mike, because this is something else I've seen earlier on, is, and I'm only asking you because you started watching a little bit earlier than everyone else, is that I've got down here that Ray played in every single position for Rovers, including in goal. Yes, I read that. I can't yeah, remember I th- that. I think they, that, that turn, they, they went on a tour of, as they called it, in the Netherlands then. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was when you know he played in every. Well, say we're away. He played in every position, including goalkeeper. Well, I've got down here that there was an injury in 1946 um, when we were playing Cardiff to Jack Weir, and he and he ended up going. And he in went goal. goal. Yeah, he yeah. Goal. He, he told yeah. me that as well that he yeah. Yeah. he went in goal. Yeah, for an injury. Yeah, I remember that one. That's a yeah. that's like a like the very first Mark McChrystal then the cat. The skipper, yes. the skipper taking the job of going in goal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if he scored that game, though. Morgz, you've got your hand up there. You've got a question, Lee? Yeah. Do you know, I was going to mention some of those things that the ever-present seasons the fellas have mentioned, and like Kev said, on that pitch and those pitches at the time, to, to be you know that consistent in appearances is incredible. Um, I was going to pick up on Ash's point as well. Every single position, including goalkeeper, won't be... I can't see that happening again. And the other thing, we, we sort of... We, it got a bit of a ribbon for penalty-taking, but yeah, still being a prolific centre-half. I've got here, he scored 28 goals from centre-half. And actually, in 1948-49, that club record of seven successful penalties, he actually scored 11 goals in total, which is no mean feat. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. I say he scored two free kicks as well. Should, I wouldn't, I wouldn't well. think he ever scored open play, but he, he used to take the free kicks outside the box as well. Yeah, okay. Bit of a dead ball specialist, Mike, was he? He was a dead ball specialist, yeah. Yeah, yeah excellent. We were, we were talking before we started recording about the old formations. Um, and whenever I look at them on paper, I... I really struggled to see. So, what would you said that he struggled to score from open play? Would that be because set pieces weren't the same then as they are now? Perhaps when a defender didn't get forward so much, they were, their job was to stay back, or is it another reason? Oh, that's well, probably they, more, they, more they, they didn't get forward from open play very much. No, no, no. no, no. Yeah, that's that's a, that is a change in the way the game is played nowadays. <clears throat> your your defenders uh, now, but the trouble is nowadays your defenders can't defend anymore. <laughs> well, even the goalkeepers want to be centre forwards, don't they? <laughs> yeah, well, all goalkeepers, Dan, always have a, a, a dream of scoring a goal. Yeah. yeah. In somebody else's net, mind, not their own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, if we were, Mike, if you just for the younger listeners, I asked you before we came on. What would Ravers line up like back in those days, and how would the formation work? Because if, well, if, you want to put it, if you want to put it in formation terms, it would be three, three, four. Yeah. There were three out and out defenders, two fullbacks, and a centre half. Mm-hmm. You had two wing halves, one of whom stayed in mid. They, they were the midfield players. And then you had four up front, uh, two wingers, two. Yeah. a centre forward, and an inside forward. 
And in midfield, you'd have two wing halves and one of the inside forwards who would play deeper than the other one. Okay. I wrote that Rovers basically had four up front, which were Pesa Bridge and, say, Watling on the wings. John, John McIlvenny. John McIlvenny? Yeah. He yeah. came afterwards, yeah. He was, yeah. Uh, he was trying he was to bit, replay. Yeah, but more of a bit like, part player. Not being disrespectful to him, but uh, you know, he was more of a bit part player. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think he was intended to replace Josser, but Josser just kept going, and he yeah. he wasn't better than Josser. No, but you had those those four up front, in the midfield you had it, Sampson, and and say Roost who worked backwards, and helped out the midfield, and then you had the three out and out defenders, two full backs and a centre half. So that would be why there were so many high scoring games back then. Then I would assume. It was a bit like the old, you score three, we'll score four. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, in a way. Most teams had two forwards who were scored a lot of goals. Yeah. Rovers had Bradford and Lambden. Lambden yeah. was very underrated because he more or less matched Bradford with his goals. Yeah. Yeah. He, did most, he did most of the work for Jeff Bradford. Yeah. He ran the channels and, and provided as well as scoring. It was far more entertaining in those days, though, because you did see more goal action. Uh, you know, as you rightfully say, you know, there was high-scoring games. Um, and it was certainly a more entertaining game, I think, uh, than today. Yeah, but it is. I think somebody said earlier, though, about, you know, about playing out from the back. And I think, you know, you know I've seen quite a lot of games on YouTube and... You, somebody said the Rovers were a team before their time, and they were. You know, you actually, if you watch these games, they are playing out from the back. You know, they play out from the back because they had, you know, such good players that were on the ball, they didn't need to just hoof it 40, 50 yards forward and no. chase. They actually, you know, so, they, you know, you're right, they are a team, you know, you know a, before their time. Was that yeah. something to do with the ball being really heavy, though? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, as you know, Dan, I mean, the ball, I mean, he started off at, you know, so many pounds. And by the time it ended on a, a wet November day, he was three times as heavy. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and they never used to complain about dementia. <laughs> he still caused yeah. some cracking goals, though. Yeah. There were a lot of cracking goals despite that oh, heavy yeah. ball. I mean, to think they could, you know, hit that ball with such power when, when it was the way it was. Yeah, and the other thing, Dan, you wouldn't have to worry about is when you headed it, you had to make the sure the lace was was away from you. Yeah, he used to always say about yeah. that. He said if yeah. you caught it on the laces, you knew it. Yeah, you knew it. Yeah, if yeah. you had a wet ball with laces, yeah. it would be yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good night. Yeah. It looked as though you your brow brow was rather furrowed. Yeah, I think one the one significant thing about those days, though, I didn't think the standard of goalkeeping was very good. You don't think so. No, no. I, I, I think we, we, until we got past, um, until Howard Radford came along, I think he was the first. Really don't you think Burt Hoyle was, you know, don't you think Burt Hoyle no, was? No. No? Yeah. far too many. Yeah. I, I mean, Howard had, Radford, I mean, was the uh, uh, only problem Howard had was he was a, only about five for eight. Yeah. 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 But he was a proper goalkeeper. Oh, he yeah. Very yeah. athletic. Yeah. Very yeah. athletic and could dive and. Yeah. Get down at the feet. Yeah. I mean, Bert, Bert, I thought his handling was very erratic. He yeah. could catch the oranges, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
think more of you got a question? Yeah, yeah gents. So just we're talking about you know, an incredible number of appearances for Rovers, four hundred and fifty odd appearances for Rovers in a career that's interrupted by World War Two. So it's not inconceivable that had that not happened, he could have gone on to make six hundred, six hundred and fifty appearances, and, yeah. and be, you know, incredible. Yeah. Really, yeah. could he have played? I mean, I know Rovers were a great side at the time in the third and second divisions. Could he have played at a higher level? Do you think there were opportunities? Well, perhaps difficult, to do so? difficult to say because. When when he played in the second division, but I mean he made his debut. We're saying the second division, he was already thirty five, okay. yeah. But in the three years that he played in the second division, he was you know rated as a very good second division player. Never ever heard anybody talk about first division or even more. But I think that his age because he for some I mean I think I've seen enough, but obviously. You know, watching from 1945, but he played his first game in 1936. Mm. You yes. know, so a, you know, you're talking, you know, of a. He was right at the end of his career when his best date, you know, from a point of view of playing in a successful team came. So mm. I don't think that there was ever any talk. I mean, I've no doubt he could have. Yeah, sure. no doubt. He bear in mind that when Notts County signed Tommy Lawton, yeah. who I think was the first. Ten thousand pound transfer player. Yeah, the first game he played was against Rovers, and Ray put him out of the game. Yeah, yeah. But it was. I think there was mention of someone else. Great day. England centre forwards. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. Do, do, you think, do you think that's perhaps why his leadership qualities came through? Then you know, playing that gap in his career, and perhaps that being that a little bit older and maybe missing those few years that really brought his leadership through. Or do you think he was a, a natural? I leader? think he was a natural. He was a natural. I think you you can't teach oh. things. Yeah, it comes with life, you know, life's experiences. But he was he was a natural. I mean, I think you, I think you might have said about being the greatest captain they've had, and I I don't think anyone who who can actually remember seeing him play would argue with that. There's never been no. a, another captain no. like him. You know, he was a, you know, a proper leader. You know, he got the best out of his troops. You know, but it, you know, he had a general, you know, off the pitch, but he did the work on the pitch, and you know, he, he you know, he, he is, you know, younger people, especially sort of people like Dan, we we'll say, and he ain't that young anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, right. you know <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they can't, they can't really appreciate what what a, what an athlete and a and a leader of many actually was. Yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, what, what I find amazing is that when I saw that game in 1945, Ray was 26. Yeah. The yeah. war, the war was taking six years away, so uh, he was yeah. he was 20 at the beginning of the war. He was 26 when he came back, which is neither young nor old. But I mean, you're beginning to drift into your later years at 26. I think as a yeah. professional footballer, certainly well, these days. But well, he went when, off. He, when he came back in 46. I mean, the Rovers really were a struggling team for, for the next couple of years. Um, you know, Ray was, you know, the mainstay of the team. He's, you know, it's not until you get into the 50s that all of a sudden, you know, I think we, we, um, once they got rid of, was it Bruff Fletcher, wasn't it? You know, yeah. And Tang came in. All of a sudden, their fortunes changed. And, and that well, comes with, with Ray's, you know, best, best years. I, I've just written it. I, I've just written in my part two of my memoirs 
about the season 47, 48, mm. when with two games to go, we were rock bottom of the league. Yeah. We'd already applied for re-election in the last season before the war. And in 47, 48, we were rock bottom with two games to go. Both those games were against Ipswich. We had to win both of those games and rely on other results to stay out of applying for re-election. And we won both of those games. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how close we were to going out of the league. That's right. That's what I say. It's not till you get... It was after that that Brad Fletcher was sacked and Bert Tan came in. Yeah, that's right. That's when the when the they're sort of they they changed and started to come together as a very. I mean, they were an exceptionally good side. I'd only argue that you know it, the the side that follows them, you know, uh, because it's a mixture of both really, uh, actually played in the second division, for and they were a better team because they were they, a very they, good. They were a very yeah, good guys, Peter Hooper and Guy yeah. Ward. And, yeah, that's right. And Alfie, and I, know, I think when we were talking about Alfie, Alfie Biggs, yeah, yeah, and, you, know, you, you see, you know, but the, and the only difference, reason I think they were better is because they were playing at that higher level and being very successful. Yeah, yeah. as you when, know, uh, they, sorry, sorry, no, I was just going to say no, they, they, they were obviously a very sort of together team. Um, yeah. When my when my pop retired, my um, my mum did a retirement party for him in the summer, um, in Colpit Heath in our old house, and it was a member very hot day, and it was a surprise party for my pop, and they got the 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 remaining living Rovers players, which I think was most of them, yeah, um, and they surprised him, and they all sat out on the grass for six hours, yeah, and. Just reminiscing. Well, I, I think after three hours, my dad had to go and go to the off license and get the beer replenished <laughs> because they just drank it all yeah. already. So well, you're right. They, 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 they were talking. They were a together side. Yeah. I mean, they used to go in the pub after the game. As you know, in those days, it was a bit like you know playing at our, uh, in our day when you go in the pub after. They went in, in the Black Swan after, and they were they were a team. You don't hear of any factions amongst them. Yo, no, no, no backbiting. Uh, they, as if it's like mates meeting down the park, really. Yeah. I've never heard a bad word on that team. What was that, Mike? Sorry? I've never heard a bad word or any rumours or anything. No. Okay. no. They were very much a team. Yeah. Yeah. Kev, did you have a question? Yeah. It, it sounds to me like, uh, from what I've read of it, that Bert Tan really appreciated his influence uh, as a leader as well. Well, he never, I mean, he was, I mean, he, like I said earlier, he was his trusty lieutenant. You know, I mean, he, he was a man who took his instructions out on the pitch and made sure that, uh, I mean, now we call it a game plan, you know, but, if, you know, and, but Ray made sure that game plan was, you know, was followed, you know, and yeah. after Ray finished, Bert Tan said himself, he never, ever found another captain like Ray. Yeah. I mean, I always sort of say, you know, a bit of a, a pun, really, in a way that he was our Roy of the Rovers, you know. And they, but we'd have to go and Ray of the Rovers, you know. But uh, he, you know, he was he, he you know, he, he, he was boy's own stuff, you know, you know, really. But the whole, the whole era, you know, for the Rovers, all those players, because you've got had so many of them so far that are all early 50s at the moment, you know, uh, and they, 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 they were 
exceptionally good sites, both of them. Not that we haven't had good sites since, because we have. You know? I think he but, always knew his ability was not the same as everyone else. So he, he knew what he had to do and yeah. like give the ball to someone else to yeah. make sure they... You know, and I think he, he'd, he'd always tell me about each individual player and what their strengths were. Yeah. And, and yeah. But I showed what a leader he was, Dan. Yeah. He knew yeah. all the attributes of each one of his teammates. He knew what they could do and what they were capable of and what he was, and what he was able to get that extra out of as well. Yeah. And he knew, he knew his own limitations. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, but that would be to... But that would be running down a little bit, you know, because you know he, he had limitations uh, as a um, we say as an inside forward, you know, but he didn't yeah. have any limitations as a defender, which was what his oh, job. No. Great you know, that, I mean, all defenders, you know, anybody that plays in the defence, I don't care what era they played in, they all want clean sheets. They all hate conceding goals. That's their job. You know, there's no good scoring one and giving two away at the back. You know, and I think that was what Ray's philosophy was. They shall not pass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask um, Alan, because just to go back, they were talking then about what a great team um, it was in that, at that time. If I'm right in saying this, most of those guys are from Bristol. Did, I know you say Ray was a great captain, but did we really have 11 captains on the pitch back then? Because no. I imagine, oh, no. I think, as, no, no. I think yeah. as everybody has said, I mean, they were a good side. But they were a team. Yeah. Uh, they weren't a team of individuals. No. They were a, a collective team, and that was their strength. Um, it, they were a very, very good side. Um, and Ray Warren, uh, Warren was the, you know, the catalyst really uh, for making the team tick. Yeah. But they were a damn good side. They really were from front to back. Um, you, there wasn't a weakness in the side at all. Um, they were a complete team. It's the only way I can describe it, really. Mm. Um, but Ray was very much the centre of everything. He, he, he was an orchestrator of them all, wasn't he? Exactly. Yes, good, good word. He yeah. did. He, he sat at the back, in the middle, and yeah. he, he orchestrated everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was the strength of the team. But the team, it, it collectively, were a team. Not a team of individuals. And they had some very good bit part players in the wings, like Brian Bush. Yeah. And yeah. Ben Hodges. Yes. Good players. Very yeah. good players. Yes. Players yeah. didn't seem to suffer any injuries uh, that they do nowadays. And considering when you look at the pitch at Eastville, what yeah. it was like, is amazing. They, they, they didn't, you know, because, uh, yeah, but the players played week in, week out. Yeah, yeah, you, they you, probably you, didn't they, get paid when they were injured back in those days. <laughs> they couldn't, yeah, they probably couldn't afford not to play. Well, they couldn't really, could they? No, yeah. no. Did no. you did you only get paid if you played back then? Then because nowadays, if you get injured for a year, no. you get no, paid. You, you were you were paid, you know, but they were all paid the same, look. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it was well, eight, pound, eight pound in the winter and six in the summer, but well, I got a feeling there's a like. I vaguely remember more early. It was six in four, six in the yeah. winter playing season, and four yeah. in the summer. It was buoyed out to get part-time jobs. Yeah, and yeah. a pound, pound draw bonus and two-pound win bonus. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 they didn't have a crowd bonus then because they would have done 
very well. Yeah. Uh, Mike, do you find that you obviously watched Ray from when he very first started playing after the war all the way to when he retired? Did his game change much? As his, no. As the legs got a bit tired, or did they did the same game the whole way? No, because he was, he was never a player who relied, relied on speed or anything like that. He was just, he relied on positional play and tight marking. Okay. And doing his job, stopping his centre forward from scoring and then giving the ball to someone else to play with or putting it up in the stands. Okay. <laughs> if necessary. Yes, if right, necessary. Get it <laughs> <laughs> no, you weren't like that, Dan. You, know, you, you like scoring too much. <laughs> so, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you all now individually um, I'm going to come to you and just, I just want you to give me your best sort of memory of, of Ray. So I'll start with you, Mike. If you can just give us a little spiel on, on your sort of best memory of some Ray up, that'd be brilliant. Well, my best memory of Ray was in that very first game when I saw him looking after players who were having bad games. Both the fullback and the goalkeeper, he spilled one. And he just consoled them and packed them on the back and built them up again. I never saw him snagging anyone off. You still there, Mike? Yes, I'm still there. No, no, I never you, you, you froze. I didn't know if you'd gone or not. That was all. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, Alan, what about you? Well, really, my, um, as I say, I was uh, 51, 52, I was eight. Um, so I, I saw it very much from a boy, schoolboy's uh, point of view, standing in the boys' enclosure on the Muller Road end. But my lasting memory of him is really the game against Newport County when we won promotion. And as I say, we all invaded the pitch and Ray made that speech. I shall always remember it, uh, that the team was lined up in a line along the front of the stand and he said he, he, uh, we were going to bring better football, better class of football to Bristol. And uh, that was always my lasting memory of, uh, of Ray. Um, he was a solid performer, um, you know, but that's the, 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 the one thing that really stuck in my mind. It was a, a magnificent day that day. Yeah. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. There's a really good photo of that, actually. I'll put it out on the... I've put it out before on the podcast Twitter, but I'll put it out again um, when we release the pod. There is a really good photo of everyone on the pitch and Ray yeah. sort of with, his, with his hands on the side and he's shouting into the microphone. He looks... Yeah. looks oh, good. Yeah. 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 Rog? Well, it's difficult for me, um, Ash, because I, I, I'm... When I first saw him, I'm only about six. You know, and I mean, I, I, I probably didn't know... I'll remember occasions, but I won't remember players. But for the last two years of his career, I would have watched him play. And all I can say is there were never you know, one, you know, one moment that was stick in your mind because he wasn't that sort of player. What stuck in your mind was the level of consistency that yeah. he put in week in, week out, game in, game out. There was, you know, he never sort of went below certain standards ever. I don't remember him actually having bad games. No. Not even, not even iffy games. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. He was Mr. Yeah. Consistent. Yeah, yeah. Games, and that's what games you, yeah. and that's what you remember. The yeah. solid performances each game, not 
not a particular moment in time that you can remember, you know, but you remember what he contributed to the team each and every match that you saw. Exactly. You know? yeah, yeah, very true. Very yeah. true. I'd echo yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Dan, I'm going to come to you because I know you want to see them playing, so this is a bit of a different question for you, really. Yeah, um, no, he's, he was my, obviously, part of my granddad, so, you know, it, every, every time I meet a Rovers fan and they say they're a Rovers fan, obviously, I, I say I'm Ray Warren's grandson and the feedback I've always had from people, you know, such a lovely bloke, um, Rovers through and through. Um, he was, he, lo he loved football. He, I must admit, I, he, he didn't go to Rovers that much when he retired, but he would sit in his chair and watch the final scores. And in the paper, they used to have all the fixtures and he would yeah. sit there religiously and write every single score down I assume to fill in his pools as well but um but yeah my my memories you know I, I think he was quite well respected um it's lovely to hear what Mike and Alan said um he he, he did tell me one story though that if I got time just quickly share it with you when he went when he, when he went to the Trident when he first took over the Trident he um it was an off license I think um on the side and um, he was upstairs and the guy who was working in the off-license was shouting up to him saying, there's someone here down here to see you. And he said, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. And he said, no, he, he want, really wants to see you. And um, he said, who is it? And he said, he won't tell me. He just wants to see you. And he said, this went on for a few minutes. In the end, he came downstairs and as he walked through the door, it was uh, John Charles. Oh, oh yeah, wow. yeah. John yeah. Charles had come to wish him good luck in his new business. Yeah. Wow. And, um, That's brilliant. I mean, John yeah, Charles. He, um, I always remember him telling me about that. And yeah. obviously, John Charles was one of the first oh. players that went abroad, was he? Juventus? That's, right. or... That's it. That's it. So I, I, I think the respect for, for him was good, but yeah. for for me, yeah. he was my he was my pop, and I you know I yeah. worshipped him anyway, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I get someone like John Charles Dan to come out of his way. That's it. That shows what high esteem he was held in. Because yeah. John Charles was a, a top-class international player, you know, who actually, one of the few players that went to Italy and, and was successful. Yeah. yeah. And he was, you know, he, he was, I mean, he was called a gentle giant, you know, because he was massive. And yet, he, he, he never, he never fouled people. Never used his size or his weight, yeah. But, I mean, to have him you know, look up your, you know, your granddad like that. I, I think it's, you know, it shows what tremendous respect the, the football fraternity had for yeah. him. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, that's yeah. what he said. And, but, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's lovely to hear, you know, great things said about him, to be fair. And, yeah. you know, it's great for, you know, it's an honour for me and my sister, Joe, you know, and the family to have him in as a legend because, yeah. you know, I've always looked up to him and it's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's no problem, Dan. We've we absolutely love well, him being there, guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, never any question of him not being there, Dan. He's he's an absolute icon of the club. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. It means a lot to us. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I think after that brilliant story about John Charles there from Dan, I think we'll be <laughs> I think we'll be I think we'll be struggling to talk that of anything else. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap great up. Story, great story to finish on. I am yeah. exactly. Yeah. Thank you all for coming, guys. Um, Pleasure. Absolutely loved hearing these stories of the old days. Um, I'm sure that Morg, I can speak for Morgs and Kev as well and say, 
you know, we absolutely love doing this. And, you know, it's a pleasure to get guys like Ray in. So you'll have seen this week as well, hopefully, that um, Tones has released the first five artworks for yeah. that are going yeah. up in the car. Um, check them out. They're on his website, madebytones.com. Um, but we're going to... Yeah, they were brilliant. They are brilliant. They are. Yeah. But we're going yeah. to sign off now with some words from the, the man himself, Ray Warren, from a little YouTube interview. So... That'll be us for the night, guys. Cheers, and up the gas. Embedded in the snow. And, ooh, a month after, when all the snows had gone, and the lads, including myself, went round the dog track, and we were picking up throttle bits, six-penny bits, five-penny, uh, shilling pieces, as I call them now, <laughs> and coins. And uh, out of that benefit, out of the collection from the ground, I got £37... Uh, £37, 17 and 6 months. Well, Ray and his colleagues of 51, such as Pitt, Lambden, Bush and Watling, all came home to roost last night, and they crowed long and hard with the Rovers' victory at long last over the Magpies by five goals to four. And can you hear the tone and voice sing? I can hear everything. And when the so thanks for joining us on Retro Rovers. Check out our website, www.retrorovers.co.uk. Lots of images of days gone by, and that's where you can catch up with all our latest episodes. They're also available on all your favorite podcast applications as well. Don't forget, if you want to check out what's going on a bit more up to date on Rovers, check out the guys at Gascast. They do a great job at keeping you entertained with all the latest happenings at the club. We'll see you on the next episode. Bradford Mayor Bix, the 7th of January 1956. And can you hear the toy